If you have a Bible, why don't you turn to Luke chapter 1, please. Luke chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 26 to 56, and the message is entitled, Mary Bore Jesus. You know, when you do the same message about 35 years, you start running out of titles, um, because there's only one, one birth story from different angles that you look at it. But it has been said that Mary, the mother of Jesus, is the most privileged woman that ever lived, chosen by God, to bear the Son of God in her womb, but equally... One of the most pain women that has ever lived, for she bore a sword in her heart due to all the difficulties that accompanied that call. Sometimes we look at the glory of certain things, but we don't see the pain behind the scenes. That goes for many things in life, whether it be a mother, whether it be a husband who provides, or, or um, a soldier who goes to war, or whatever it may be. One writer declared that Mary was the only mother in the world that um, ever found it impossible to make um, an idol out of her child because he was God. Every mother has to guard that of her child, that she doesn't put her child before God. It's just the opposite. The gospel writers, as you know, record the coming of the Messiah. Each of them write with a very specific purpose in mind. We have four Gospels. Three of them are called synoptic because they record the same thing from different perspectives. Matthew begins with the crisis of Mary's pregnancy as Gabriel reveals to Joseph that um, this was God's work through Mary uh, by the Holy Spirit of God. Matthew's writing to the Jew. The key phrase is that this is that in fulfillment of Mark and John do not give us um, the annunciation of the birth of Christ, but simply begin <clears throat> with the ministry of John and the baptism of Jesus. Luke, on the other hand, provides for greater detail of the annunciation made to Mary about the birth of the Christ child by the same angel Gabriel. And um, he is writing to Theophilus, and he assures him, that the record that he is examining by eyewitnesses and everything, it can be counted on absolutely. Listen to him in Luke <clears throat> chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. He says, Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order the narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, it seems good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you in orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, this is God's inerrant, infallible word. This is the word of God. And you can depend on the accuracy of the record and the truthfulness of it. It's not a myth. It's not religious stories it's the fact that God became flesh and he came to save us so the angel Gabriel has just finished announcing here in Luke to Zacharias the birth of his son John he would be the forerunner prophet of the highest the voice crying in the wilderness as he tells there in chapter 1 prior to verse 26 here. And now comes the annunciation to Mary of the birth of Jesus, and it unfolds for us in a threefold movement. Let me read from verse 26 down. He says, Now in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, an angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his sayings and considered what manner of greeting this was. And then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a, child, a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. 
And then Mary said to the angel, How can this be? Since I do not know a man. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. And then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haze to the city of Judah. And entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greetings of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greetings sounded in my ear, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for He has regarded the lowly state of His maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is His name. And His mercy is on those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. The Annunciation here unfolds in the three movements. You have the revelation of Gabriel to Mary from 26 to 38. Then you have the jubilation between Elizabeth and Mary in 39 to 45. And it finishes up by the exaltation of God by Mary herself in verses um, 46 to 56. We begin with the revelation of Gabriel to Mary, 26 to 38. Notice in 26... The visitation of Mary is declared clearly. The particular angel is Gabriel here. Um, he, uh, it is the sixth month of her pregnancy. Um, not Mary, but Elizabeth, their cousins. And Gabriel stands in the presence of God. We were told in chapter 1, verse 19. So he is um, believed to be one of the archangels, Michael, um, uh, another um, and the place was the city of Nazareth in Galilee. So this is north of Jerusalem, Nazareth in the Valley of Galilee, southwest of the Sea of Galilee. Some of you were there with us uh, this year in Israel. And uh, you can picture yourself there as we were going all through that territory. It's about 80 miles um, from Jerusalem. And there were many um, Greek merchants and Roman soldiers in that area. They occupied, there was a place of custom there in the chief city of Capernaum. And so the lifestyle also was very evident throughout the area of sinfulness and all the activity that goes on with that. And yet God, who is the epitome of holiness, has come down in the midst of a sinful world at this time. The person visited was the virgin here in verse 27. She is betrothed to this man whose name is Joseph of the house of David, the lineage of, of Joseph as well as Mary. You pick it up in Matthew as well as in Luke. Matthew goes through, um, through Solomon and then in, in Luke he goes through Nathan, uh, Nathaniel because Jeconiah was cursed from the thing. So both of them were of the lineage of David, but it doesn't matter that Jeconiah disqualified Joseph because Joseph was not the father of Jesus, but they were both of the house of lineage of David. And so they fulfill the prophecies. 
Now the virgin name is Mary, and she is the virgin. And the word that is used here is one who has never had sexual intercourse. In the Hebrew, there's two different words. And the one corresponding to an espousal period is the corresponding word here for the Greek. So she's within this one-year period, which uh, a man and a woman were considered to be husband and wife. And um, if they wanted to get a divorce, it was a binding marriage. So if they wanted to get a divorce, they had to go through a whole legal process. Now, so it would be possible that if there was a divorce prior to this one year before the consummation was made, it would be possible for you to be a married, divorced woman and still a virgin, or if he died, that you could be a a, a widow and still a virgin. See, when we read things like that, we say, get out of here, but see, we don't know the culture behind it. So the potential was there. Now, the angel, having come in, noticed, saluted Mary, declaring, Rejoice, highly favored, the Lord is with you. The rejoicing here it was to be that God graciously and sovereignly had chosen her. Now, the choosing is not of obligation without any free will, as the record shows in Matthew and Mark as well as here. Yet God knows the heart of man. But he came to her and there was a submission. How does that work out where God initiates and men respond and his will gets done? Well, we know it doesn't exclude free will. And we know that God doesn't force us. So we know there's a complement of the two that we don't understand to its full end. But one thing for sure is God never forces you to respond to him or to obey him or to go to heaven. It's a choice. Of your will when you make that decision. Now, her confidence was to be in the fact that God was with her. Notice that. Her privilege was the fact that she had been blessed among women. Underline that. Not above women. Okay? I'm an ex-Catholic. I was raised a Catholic. Okay? So I know what the Catholic Church does towards Mary. She's blessed among women, not above women. We're going to see that Mary herself will declare her own sinfulness in the last movement. That she needed a savior. But the point is that she was virgin. She was pure. God was going to house his son in a womb that had never been defiled. And that is very, very clear. The word blessed, we get our word eulogy from it at funerals to speak well of someone. So things would be spoken well of her because she was chosen by God, but not of her own merit, but just because he chose her. And yet the emphasis is that she was sexually pure. Now, she was chosen as a vessel to honor God and to bring glory to God, no different than you and I, as God calls us to serve him. This was her particular call. At this point in her life. The perplexity in her mind. And her heart was great. Over the manner of greeting. Notice in 29. She's a girl of 14 to 16 years of age. She's not wealthy. She's of the poor class. When she dedicates Jesus. She brings uh, turtle doves. The poorest of offering. The word consider there. Means to bring together. Different reasons. To reckon up these reasons and to resolve in one's mind and deliberate about the facts. And you can imagine 14 to 16 in this type of address and this type of appearance and this type of revelation. Um, but yet, I am sure that at her age, though 14 to 16, she was a hundred times more mature than 14 to 16 years old today. <laughs> they lived in a whole different world. Let's just leave it at fact that she wasn't on her iPhone, okay? In 30 to 33, you have the communication to Mary. That's described for us. In 30 and 31, the personal privilege is revealed. She was not to be afraid. But to know that she had found favor with God, she would conceive in her womb and bring forth a son. And she was to call his name Jesus. Jesus is the Greek name of the Hebrew name Joshua. Joshua is the contraction of Jehovah Shu or Yahweh of salvation. What does the name Jesus means? Yahweh of salvation. 
Remember, John says that the Word became flesh, and we beheld His glory, only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, in John 1.14. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and God was the Word, John 1.1. And He emptied Himself of His glory, never His deity, Philippians 2.5 says. And He didn't think it robbery to be equal with God, but He took on the form of a servant, and He humbled Himself, even to be obedient to the death of the cross. Who was this guy? God. Wow. The prophetic accuracy is revealed in 32 and 33. He would be great and will be called the son of the highest, describing who he was to be. God in the flesh. He would be given the throne of his father David, describing what he would obtain. He would reign over the house of Jacob forever, describing the extent of his reign. And his kingdom will never end, it says, describing the duration of his kingdom. Every kingdom on this earth will come to an end. As we look to the past, there's been incredible dictators and, and rulers, but they all came to an end. But this king, his reign will never end. As he sits on his own throne, he shall save his people from their sins, Matthew one twenty one says, his people, the Jew. Matthew's writing to the Jew. His name is Emmanuel, God with us, Matthew one twenty three. He's fulfilling the promise to David in Second Samuel seven, fourteen through sixteen, fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah chapter nine, six through seven, a son to us is given. The Son of God. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He is God, the Son of God. The second person of the Trinity, co-equal with the Father and Eternalist, 1 Timothy 3.16 tells us, Mary had to have been stunned and humbled by this incredible privilege revealed to her. Then notice the explanation to Mary is declared in 34 to 38. In 34, the petition asked by Mary was natural. This is a real world that is being recorded for us here. This is not Hollywood, but a real location. How can this be since I do not know a man? How could she conceive a child never having had sex with a man and still being virgin? That defies human understanding. It's called a miracle. The proclamation declared by the angel was... It is God's work. Look at 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. This has nothing to do with man. It has everything to do with God. The word overshadow means to envelop and is used four other times in the New Testament. It appears three times in the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17, 5, Mark 9, 7, and Luke 9, 34. One time for Peter's shadow that fell upon people and they were healed in Acts 5, 15. Notice the person to be born was the Holy One called the Son of God. He was to be the fulfillment of the promise to Adam and Eve, the seed of the woman in Genesis three fifteen, the first mention of redemption through the virgin birth of the Messiah. Way back there where the fall came, God gave the promise of Jesus Christ. Scripture confirms the faithfulness of God throughout. Second Corinthians 5.21 says that God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Do you realize how hopeless we would be without a Savior, without a sin bearer, without a Redeemer? we would be utterly damned. It's bad enough that some people feel and sense their life hopeless here for the number of years. I can't imagine understanding to the full extent of hopelessness for all eternity. It can't even enter our minds. 
the personal consolation that Mary is given in 36 and 37. Elizabeth, her relative who was barren, had also conceived and was six months into her pregnancy. Elizabeth is her second cousin. Elizabeth's conception and hers were God's doing again. Where nothing's impossible with God, 37 tells us. Just like when you've been born again, you repented of your sins. God initiated, you responded, but your new birth had nothing to do with your own ability or merit. It had everything to do with God. Christianity is a God thing. Through human beings. Don't confuse it with religion. Don't call it a philosophy. It's a relationship with God through the sacrifice, death, and resurrection of His precious Son, Jesus Christ. The personal submission of Mary to God's will is in 38. Her perspective was that she saw herself as a slave to God by choice. The phrase maidservant appears three times in the New Testament. Verse 38 here, 48, and in Acts 2, 18. The prophecy of Joel here, he would pour out a spirit upon all flesh, begins to take place for the New Testament. It has the latter days also fulfillment. Her priority in order was the will and purpose of God. Let it be to me according to your word. Her personal commitment was to risk disgrace, divorce, and defamation of character for the purpose of God, for the will of God. 14, 15, 16 years old. Hmm. The very same kind of living sacrifice that her own son would yield to in his prayer of Gethsemane. Not my will, Father, but your will be done. As he poured out drops of blood from his forehead and he submitted to the cruel and horrible death of crucifixion in our place. When James Calvert went out to cannibal Fiji with the message of the gospel, the captain of the ship in which he traveled sought to persuade him and others not to go. He said, quote, You will risk your life and all those with you if you go among the savages, he said. Calvert's magnificent reply was, quote, we died before we came here. Amazing men and women have gone out into the world not considering their lives to get the gospel to those who are so ignorant of it. God will often visit each of us as Christians throughout our lives that we might be His instruments. And each time, we must choose if we are going to yield. He does not, nor will he force you. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's handiwork, his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. He wants to use you. He wants to use me. He initiates. He waits for my response. He wants me to trust in Him and not in myself. He wants me not to lean to my own understanding, but in every way to trust in Him. God will come to us in our own Nazareth, whatever that may be, regardless of the social standing, the economical standing. And He will come and He will reach down to affect our lives. If you're not saved, then He wants to pull you out of that lostness, out of that darkness. That you might be set free from your sin and from the guilt that is over you. And that He would make a Christian of you, a son of God, a daughter of God by His grace. 
as you see your rebellion and your separation from God because of sin. All, are, all of us are sinners. There's not one righteous. All miss the mark. All come to Jesus Christ the same way by grace through faith. God is seeking for a response like Paul. What would you have me to do, Lord, in Acts 9? <laughs> when he initiates. God calls us despite and in spite of ourselves, not because of ourselves. And he's more interested in um, my readiness to be a base and to honor and to bring glory to him than myself. But I can only do that if I die to self. Because the desire for attention and the desire for people to applaud me and to praise me is in every one of us. It's innate in our sin nature. If, if I took pictures right now at the end of the sermon, I told you, you know, we've been taking pictures throughout the whole sermon. And when you leave, you can go see your picture in the back. W- would you be looking for me right off the bat? No, you'd be looking for you. And when you, when you would see you, you would say, Oh, that doesn't look at me. That's a bad picture. No, that's you. <laughs> because we think we look a lot better. We love ourselves. That's the problem. Let me tell you. You don't need any lessons or teaching on self-esteem. Trust me. You're doing just right. Or well. <laughs> Sinful, that's where we go. In the Lord, we can deny that by His grace. Jesus put it this way in Luke 17, 10. So likewise you, speaking to His disciples, when you have done all these things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Whoa. Perspective. God's holy. I'm sinful. He bridged the gap through his son. And I'm privileged to be able to be one with God. What a privilege to serve him. This was the revelation of Gabriel to Mary. The second movement comes in 39 through 45. The jubilation between Elizabeth and Mary. In 39 through 41, Mary went her way to see her cousin Elizabeth. And um, she journeyed from Nazareth to the city of Judah, the hill country of Hebron, which was in times past called Kirhath Jarba, one of the towns that was given over to the Levites, the city of the Levites. And um, the manner of departure, notice, was with haste, uh, referring to the earnestness of her mind and diligence to visit her relative Elizabeth to see what the Lord had wrought for her. She has just been told. She's been, she's been bearing all her life. We get the record before uh, in the beginning of chapter 1 here. And God has allowed her in her old age to be pregnant with John the Baptist. And so she's excited. She's going to confirm this as she goes. Mary enters the house of Zacharias and greets Elizabeth in verse 40. And Zacharias, um, again, is the husband of Elizabeth. And he was a priest. In fact, he was in the temple doing his priestly course when the angel Gabriel appeared to him and told him that God had heard and now he was answering his prayer. And he didn't believe it, so he made him mute until the birth of John, if you remember. The child to be born was John the Baptist. He would prepare the way of Jesus Christ, the forerunner, the voice in the wilderness, as we said. And Elizabeth was well advanced in years as Zechariah, chapter 1, verse 7. So, kind of like Sarah. You know, all the wives of the patriarchs, do you realize they were all barren? God had to intervene to have them conceived, to make sure that, it, that, that, that everybody knew that it wasn't just a human event, even though it gives us that potential and ability as human beings to reproduce, but that God had to intervene to make sure that it was Him that was doing this. Elizabeth was in her sixth month of her pregnancy now. Now notice in 41, Mary's voice caused the babe to leap in Elizabeth's womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit 
And the prophecy was that John would be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb in chapter 1, verse 15. So you've got a confirmation going on here from God to both of these women. Being very conscious of what's going on and and being the interpreter of what is going on as God's activity. At that time, the spirit bearing witness with their spirit that the work was of God. She speaks, she recognizes the mother of my Lord. In other words, the babe in the womb of Mary is superior to the one that's in the womb of Elizabeth. And she articulates her submission, her adoration. And Mary was honored by her cousin Elizabeth in 42 to 45. In 42, Elizabeth confirms what the angel Gabriel had told her. Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb, the son of the highest, the son of God, was in Mary's womb. And in 43, Elizabeth confessed her unworthiness before her, confessing her privilege. Listen, but why is this granted to me? Our world today knows very little about humility. Everybody is so full of themselves. Every reality show. (laughs) Every program of reality is to try to bring out the evil in you and the love for yourself. It's all based on pride. Me first, you later. Confessing her to be the mother of her personal Lord in verse 43 there. Then in 44 and 45, Elizabeth celebrated her experience with Mary. She told her of the correlation between her voice and the babe leaping in her womb. She's interpreting prophetically the fulfillment at that very moment. She spoke well of her for believing God's messenger and that all would come to pass in verse 45. You remember Gideon. He was sent by God down to the camp of the Midianites that he might hear the dream of one of the soldiers there to confirm God was going to use him to defeat them in spite of their huge number compared to Israel. He sent them down and he allowed them to hear to encourage him to believe and trust the faithfulness of God. And so here. How do you respond to the things of God that he calls you to do? Is it with haste? Or do you procrastinate as a Christian? Nehemiah, you remember, prayed in Nehemiah 1.11, he was the king's cupbearer. Nehemiah used to taste the wine and the meat for Artaxerxes in case someone wanted to poison him. And um, he prayed that God would use him as he was a cupbearer. That very day, he said. But Nehemiah knew that God would have to deal with the heart of Artaxerxes because... He couldn't just leave. But he was willing to be used right there and then. He didn't say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the king's cup bearer. Lord, you're going to have to find somebody else. There's nothing difficult for God. Nothing impossible for God. But God is looking for a heart. Am I, am I willing? Am I ready? Am I open to say, Lord, do something now? Too often we're saying, well, you know, as soon as I get to, done with this job, you know, right now I'm just getting a house, I'm going to do this, you know, I just, I'm in between this and that, and, and you know, and, 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 it's, and then it's in, a year goes by, and five years go by, and ten years go by, and, 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 and we still haven't allowed God to use us in the most significant way, which really is to reach to the non-believer, to communicate the simple and clear 
loving gospel of Jesus Christ, first through our lives, then through the Word of God. You bear witness with the spirit of other Christians as you um, serve in the body of the church, confirming the work of God, rejoicing over the diversity, how God calls different people and gives different people, and the amazement that you see it happen every week in your church as God puts it together and He gets everything done and He brings people and He just continues in month after month, year after year, decade after decade. And he saves people and he equips people and he's glorified through it. Are you amazed at God how he does it? <laughs> We're not to compare ourselves among ourselves, lest we be unwise, Paul says in Second Corinthians ten twelve. But to thank God for each other. And to be in awe of God and how he does these things and gets them all done. Do you recognize and rejoice in the place and honor God has given to others? Or are you envious, jealous? That truly is the work of God in our lives where we can look at somebody else and that God would use them in a way greater than ourselves. That we would not be envious or jealous of anybody. That God would bless another pastor, another church, or that God would, in fact, use somebody that you brought to the Lord and they end up being used in a greater way from the human perspective than you ever have been or ever will be. Do you come alongside and pry and say, yeah, well, you know, I, I, I brought him to the Lord and I, I, I trained him. You know how we are. Or do you stand back and say, Lord, you are too much. How great you are. How mysteriously wonderful you are in the way you work. Wow. Jesus said to take the lower seat, not the one in front. Lest you be asked to sit in the back. But when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. That you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. Luke 14.10 Humility, abasement. Rejoicing in what God is doing through the life of others. This was the jubilation between Elizabeth and Mary. There was no... Nothing. It was, it was just rejoicing over what God had done. Notice thirdly, comes the exaltation of God by Mary. Here's the climax. This is, this is just the crescendo of the whole uh, section here. 46 to 56. In 46 to 50, Mary gave all glory to God. Now, this is Mary speaking. Elizabeth's out of the picture. This is Mary. She sang a song known as the Magnificat. In the Latin Vulgate. Some have compared this to Hannah's song of triumph in the face of um, her enemy, uh, the other wife of her husband in 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 10. She and her soul magnified or declared the greatness of the Lord. Mark that well in verse 46. She and her spirit rejoiced in God. Listen. Her Savior, my Savior, underlined that, verse 47. This is Mary speaking. She's acknowledging her own sinfulness, her own need of a Savior. And that Savior is in her womb, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Emmanuel, God with us. Mary was not a perpetual virgin. She was not sinless. She had other children. Matthew thirteen fifty five and 56. And other passages declare this very, very clear. Of course, they would be stepbrothers and sisters to Jesus. Same mother, but not. They had Joseph as their father, but Jesus did not. Notice she acknowledged in 48... 
her own lowliness and God's sovereign choosing her, that all future generations would call her blessed. She's in awe of it. She's, she's amazed. She's humble. She's not boasting or declaring that women should call her or demand it. To be declared blessed by God. Not that she was the source of blessing. She's blessed by God. She's not the dispenser of blessing. She just declares she's a sinner in need of a savior like anyone else. That would be a complete contradiction. In 49, she declared God who is mighty had done this great thing for her. And he was holy. What did Mary imply when she said, my Savior? That she was not holy. Now, she was sexually pure, but not holy in terms of sinless. She was a human being just like you and I. The pregnancy was by the power of God, not human. The holiness of God ensured the purity of the work. And she proclaims the mercy of God on all who fear him in every generation. In verse 50. Then notice in 51 to 55, Mary gave witness to God's past works of glory. She doesn't glory in herself. God has been strong against the imaginations of the proud. Verse 51. God has removed the mighty from their thrones and exalted the humble. Verse 52. God has met the needs of the poor and removed the things of the rich. 53. God has helped Israel, his servant, in view of his mercy. 54. Mercy is less than we deserve. Grace is what we don't deserve. Law is just what we reserve. People at times say, well, you know, I think I'm a good person. I, I, you know, if God judged me, I think I would do okay. Really? Justice is what we deserve. Who, who wants justice when you are talking about your own life to be judged according to your works? And you have to remember that God knows every thought that comes into your mind and heart. And he knows the motivation behind everything. We only see the deed, the act. He knows the motive and the thought. Before it even comes to our head, the psalm says, from their origin. So nothing escapes him. Who was able to pass the judgment of God in this auditorium? Not one of us. It has to be completely by grace. Look at 55. He did all this in faithfulness to his covenant with Abraham. This is the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham. This is the fulfillment of the promise to Adam and Eve. From Adam and Eve, we go to Noah. Noah, you go to Abraham. Abraham, we go to David. David, we go to Jesus Christ. You have the genealogy all connected. And then lastly, look at 56. Mary willingly... Gave of her time to Elizabeth. They're, they're just cousins that love each other. And there was a great age difference too. But there's a great love and respect and concern. And yet it's the older who humbles herself to the younger. Did you notice that? Wow. She stayed with her three months. Completing her ninth month. Mary would be three months pregnant at this time. Whether she was present at the birth, we're not told. It doesn't matter. And she returned to her house. She returned to her house to be looked down by many all around her town. Mary became the talk of the town. Being with the child. During this one year betrothal. 
to bear the sword that God had pierced her heart with as she dedicates Jesus. But she said, your will be done. Be it according to your will to your maidservant. Listen to this poem. I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was given, I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked for help that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but everything I hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am among all men most richly blessed. Author, a confederate soldier. A godly man. Wow. We have to never lose sight that God has um, placed himself as this incredible treasure in this earthen vessel. Like Mary and like you and I who are born again. That the excellence and the power may be of God and not of ourselves. Second Corinthians 4, 7. Before we were Christians, we gloried in ourselves. We gloried in what we did. We, 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 we loved the attention. Now we're to bring all the glory and praise of the Lord Jesus Christ. And to take the lower seat. We have to always remember the past work of God in and through our lives, lest we be prone not only to take the credit, but to trust in our own strength. Paul the Apostle, speaking to the Ephesians, says, Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. In Ephesians 2.10, and he goes on to share, put on the armor of God. His power. There are certain things that we are able to do, not very difficult things, and things that we may be strong in, but but my true... Um, Weakness is not shown in my strengths, but my weaknesses are shown in my weaknesses. In those things that I really don't like to deal with because I know I can't do them, so I evade them. But often God will call me to those things that I cannot do so that He receives the glory and that I come to the end of myself and know firsthand that I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. He gives me these opportunities every day. The more we walk with God, the more we are accountable to God. The more we're to decrease, the more He's to increase in our life. We have to serve one another being used of God, out of God's agape love, that we may be able to communicate the grace of God and the love of God through the gospel to those who are lost. Somebody was praying for you. Someone ministered the gospel to you because they caught the vision from heaven and they were obedient to their orders to be light and to be salt and to be ambassadors for Christ. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone perfectly trained will be like his teacher, Jesus said in Luke 6.40. If Jesus, being God, emptied himself of his glory and took on the form of a servant and came down and washed his feet and allowed people to mock him, to blaspheme him, 
to spit upon him, to buffet him, to whip him, and to put him to death. Who are we to say, I, I, I won't do that? He's our example. Hmm. Are you ready to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow Jesus every day as Lord and Savior? It's a daily decision. I take the test every day. <laughs> Sometimes I flunk. Sometimes I pass. But God is so gracious, He's there to pick me up and to say, let's get moving. Let's go forward. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then God has brought you here to clearly understand that God loves you, that He became man, He died for your sins, He rose from the dead, and that everything is done. And that you, if you agree with what I just said, and you agree with the words of Jesus, then you can be saved. He will forgive you of your sins. He will give to you eternal life by grace through faith, that not of yourself, but it's a gift of God. This was the exaltation of God by Mary. How good God is. Incredibly good. So here you have the threefold movement in the Annunciation to Mary of the birth of Jesus. The communication from God to Mary, the relation between Elizabeth and Mary and the exaltation of God by Mary. One, two, three, he lays it out. Not a story, but history. God became man. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and your goodness. Thank you for your word. Thank you for tonight. And Lord, we pray that you would just speak to our hearts. And Lord, if there's someone here who doesn't know you, you would just minister to them your love, your mercy, and your grace. They would open their heart to you, Lord, over the internet, if someone's listening. As you're praying, if you are here tonight, if you do not know Jesus Christ, then your decision is not to join this church. Your decision is not to believe in man. Your decision is to believe the record of the scriptures. That God is holy and you're a sinner and he died for your sins that you might be one with God. It's called repentance. A change your mind by a change your heart. And if you want to call on the Lord, he can save you right now. This is a prayer of Repentance. You can repeat it right now, and by the grace of God, He will cast your sins as far as east as the west and give you eternal life. So if you want to be born again, you can repeat this, or maybe over the internet. You can do it right where you sit right now. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Fill me with your spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. Amen.